All right, everybody, welcome back in into the Triangle Podcast. Back at you with another episode, episode 62, as always, presented by Couch Guy Sports in CouchGuysports.com. Remember, check out everything from the daily blogs to the podcast, YouTube channel, Twitch channel, everything else, CouchGuysports.com. Alan Hegan here, Chris Enrique here. No Jared Scally this week. Busy man. He has kids. Has to go to the in-laws. Has to be a good husband and a good father. Like, all that good stuff. We understand it. Chris, we got some news to talk about. We do. Big news this week. Huge. Huge news. A story, so to speak. Which probably gives it away for all of our Red Sox listeners out there. But we'll tell you that story in a second. But a different story I want to tell you about, Chris is what you can do when you feel a little tired or you just need a little energy boost. I'm a little sluggish right now. A little sluggish. Do you think you, you could use something to get that energy up? I could use something that's like a green apple flavor. Ooh, or maybe like a, a watermelon flavor thrown in there too? I could do watermelon. I could dabble. Okay. Well, <clears throat> as you know, Chris, the Couch Guy Sports Network is sponsored by our friends at Shock Energy. Have you ever felt that you're unable to focus, you're tired, or just low on energy? We understand that feeling, and we understand it so well that the Into the Triangle podcast is brought to you, obviously, by Couch Guy Sports Network and sponsored by our friends over at Shocked Energy. Shocked Energy is a drink made by podcasters for podcasters. All their flavors come packed with 180 milligrams of caffeine to ensure that no matter what you're doing, your focus will always be razor sharp to keep you performing at the top of your game. Their formulas are designed to specifically give you high energy boosts when you need it the most, while ensuring to avoid the jitters after too much caffeine consumption. Head on over to shockedenergy.com and use the promo code CGSN, all capitalized, today for 10% off your order. Check out their green apple flavor as well as their watermelon flavor. Chris, I'm assuming you're a green apple guy, considering you said green apple first. I could, uh, yeah, green apple, 100%. Okay, we're on opposite sides of that. I'm a watermelon guy first, but that's okay. Agree to disagree. Oh, and don't worry, they ship worldwide. Chris, give me a random country in the world. Ireland. Ireland, whether you're in Ireland, whether you're in Trinidad and Tobago, or you are in the United States, Canada, Mexico, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can get Shocked Energy because they ship worldwide. That's right. Worldwide. Get your Shocked Energy today and let us help you gain back your focus and get that energy up. CGSN at checkout for 10% off at shockedenergy.com. All right. As great as Shocked Energy is, we need to make sure that we talk about this. The Boston Red Sox actually made a big signing, Chris. Crazy to think about. So the Boston Red Sox, they were, I don't want to say they were interest kings, but it's kind of felt like this offseason they were going back to that, right? You know, they made a couple low-key signings in the bullpen. It was Jake Diekman, and then there was there was one other one. I'm trying to Matt remember. Strom. Yep, Matt Strom. Okay, so there were a few there. It didn't seem like there were there was a big splash going on, right? And you saw a couple of these big names. One of the biggest names, Carlos Correa, ends up going to the Minnesota Twins on a three year deal, but he can opt out after his first year. But anyway, shocking too. That, that, yeah. like that I was surprised by that because like I had fallen asleep, and when my iPhone is now at the new update, it catches everything at night, so nothing wakes me up. I just happened to wake up, and my reaction is to pick up my phone. I just saw a ton of tweets, and then it says. Call us credit of the twins. And I was like, all right. Woke up and then I was like, holy, holy shit. Carlos Correa is actually going to go of all, of all teams too. the twins. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them for actually making the splash. It seems like they're just a, a team that's kind of in purgatory right now. They're, they're like right in the mediocre stage. They're not, 
really good to compete with the White Sox in the Central, but they're not the cellar dwellers of the Central either. It's like they're right in the middle. But they can get some pitching. You yeah. know, they got Sonny Gray. They got Sonny Gray this offseason. I think if they can get another arm, um, they they could compete. The, the only the only real plus with that Carlos Correa piece is it's the first time they've pulled it over on the Yankees. You know what I mean? They can't beat the Yankees yeah. in the postseason. And then they go and they make that trade and they unload Josh Donaldson's contract. And then they go yeah. ahead and grab the, the shortstop that theoretically everybody thought that the Yanks were going to get. So um, it's good for baseball, though, to be honest with you, seeing a team like the Twins go and get, you know, I, I'm not going to call him like a mega superstar, but I think he's on the cusp of, you know, being in that stratosphere of player, um, you know, to go and show like a small to mid-market team to do that. That's that's good for the sport. It definitely is because you think about it, all these big money teams, the Dodgers, <clears throat> the Yankees, the Red Sox, those are the teams that are usually linked to all the major superstars, right? Just because they can afford them. And you think about some of the other moves that happened this offseason. You had a guy like Clayton Kershaw come back on a one-year deal to the Dodgers. You had Max Scherzer before the lockout sign with the Mets. Freddie Freeman going to the Dodgers after the Braves basically said, see you later and traded from uh, Matt Olson from Oakland. So there were a lot of moves that were going around. And us Red Sox fans were wondering, When's the big move going to happen? When's I am actually going to make a splash? Boy, did he make a splash. Sunday morning. He sure he, yes, he did. Sunday morning. Red Sox agreed to a six-year, $140 million deal with former Colorado Rockies shortstop Trevor Story. And here's the best part. It looks as though Trevor Story is willing to play second base with Xander Bogarts in the folded shortstop, at least for the 2022 season. And I do want to talk about Bogarts in, in a little bit. But the first thing, Chris, I want from you is just initial reaction on the Trevor Story signing. Did you like it? Were you surprised by the AAV? What was kind of your just initial reaction to everything surrounding the news? Yeah, so it's, it was a combination of, of being excited. Um, you know, the fact that the Sox went out and they made this move. Also relieved. I'm relieved that the Sox went out and made this move because all offseason, for, for good or bad, beat writers and um, you know, the, the, like the John Hammonds of the world, so to speak, had just been tweeting all of these big names that the Sox are connected to that really the Sox weren't, you know, connected to. And it was, it just felt like let down after let down. And then it really kind of felt like that, that Trevor's story's name was so quiet throughout the whole off season and really wasn't connected to the Sox other than maybe um, people like us that would go and, you know, some say the Sox would go and get him. And so I felt that, that, that relief, but it was just the sheer excitement. I, I was, uh, I recorded earlier this week with the lockdown Red Sox podcast. They asked the same question. And I told them for me, it felt like, I remember when Manny signed with the Sox and Trevor story is not Manny Ramirez. They're not even the same player, but I had that same excitement. Cause I remember when Manny, was when Manny signed with the Sox, I remember watching Nesson at like 11 o'clock at night and they were reporting it as it was kind of happening. This was before social media was as prevalent as it is now. And, you know, super excited. Then I had that same feeling again, like the Red Sox went out and they landed a guy that they wanted from the rip. And if you take a look at his spray charts, if that translates to Fenway, this could be a guy that could hit 30 bombs or more with this team Two, he's a great defender in the field. Three, he's going to provide protection just in case Sander leaves. So I, this is a win-win. This is a great signing for the Sox. Hopefully, you know, there's nothing underlining in that whole narrative with his elbow. But this is a great move. This is – Heimblum completely went, 
And with this move, he's begun to write, in my opinion, a new narrative, a new story for Heim Bloom, so to speak, too. Fullheartedly agree. Because and there's a couple other things, too, that I like. Durability, too, of Trevor Story. Besides the lockout season, I think his lowest total for games played in the season was something like 145, which is really, really good, especially for an everyday player. And the big thing that you mentioned, too, is the protection. I mean, you can hit this guy in a couple different places. Like, you can hit him in the two-hole if you want to kind of protect Kike Hernandez in the lineup. If you want to hit him lower in the lineup in that five or six-hole to protect Devers and Bogarts. And if you hit him six, you can also protect J.D. Martinez because he's going to be in the middle of that lineup still with the Red Sox. And we don't want to talk about this, but it does relate. If Xander Bogarts ends up leaving after the 2022 season, at least you have something in the fold. Now, with that, too, and I said this on the Legends Lingo podcast the other night, it's something that I'm a little hesitant about because if Trevor Story moves to shortstop, this is a small problem, but it's still a problem. You have to find another second baseman again. Because now, and I know Christian Arroyo, I know he's an option. He's a decent player, decent bat, decent glove. He just can't stay healthy. Exactly. He can't stay healthy. That's the whole thing. If you can't stay healthy, then it doesn't matter what you do on the field. You're not a productive guy on this team. Now, with that being said, is that the biggest of concerns? No, because second base is a position where they can go get somebody. And and I'm okay with that. So – I guess that kind of leads. So I'll, I'll just say this real quick, just to give my reaction. I love the signing too. And the big thing too, was a lot of people were speculating that story was going to get about 30 million or more per year from another team. And the Yankees wanted him too. the Yankees were in on him. They were really licking their chops, especially after Correa got signed by the twins. So you take one away from the Yankees, you get him for a lower AAV than a lot of executives. And a lot of people were expecting win, 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 win. And you, you, you lock him in for six years. I think there's something else too. And correct me if I'm wrong. There's an option that he can, I think it's, he can, the Red Sox can opt in to have him for a seventh year too. Something like that. Yeah. So they would have to, they would have to pick up that option after his fourth year. So, right, right, they, right, right. so he can opt out, but if he opts out and the Sox says, okay, well, we're going to pick up your, your seventh year option. That's negated. So, um, $160 million for a player of his caliber to me, it's cheap. You know what I mean? We're looking at a 23 million AAV. I, like, you know, I, I'm i not sure how Heim does it. And is it seems like the last handful of signings, just think about like James Paxson. Now we haven't gotten to see what, what he's going to produce on the diamond, but you know, that that's a one-year deal with two club options. It could go out to 35 million. And if he can even remotely pitch to what he was like in Seattle, that's going to be a W for the, uh, I almost said the Celtics, Jesus, for the Red Sox. Um, <laughs> Let's read us some stuff on the seas before. Hey, listen, um, the, South, the Celtics are hot right now, so I understand that. But we are. can talk about them at a different time. Um, so I'm not sure how Heim does it and, and his negotiation tactics, but it seems like when he signs a player, he has a specific model in mind. And it, it this one here, like I thought personally when they were going to announce the details, it was going to be a, similar to Correa. He'd be here for a year. He'd opt out. We'd go through this whole saga all over again. And just think about it. There'd be nothing worse as a Red Sox fan to know that not only did Xander opt out, but now your second baseman opted out. And and now it feels like, okay, JD's a free agent. Yeah. You know, what are you left to do at that point? So this is a good move by Heim. This is a very good move by Heim. I, I know there are some people that's out there that are not a fan of the move. I'm not sure why. Um, I know again, people want the Sox to sign Raffi. They want them to sign Xander. I think that that's, that's going to happen sooner rather than later. 
I would honestly be shocked if, if, if Xander's not back. I, I, I've really come around on that. Um, I feel like he just means way too much to the team, to the clubhouse. Um, and, and I say to the team from the top to bottom of just the way that it just seems like he's revered. It just, he feels like a different player. And I kind of agree with Tony Maserati. He was on uh, 95 today and he was saying that, you know, if you don't resign Xander, just a message that sends all the way down through the entire organization, especially these players that either the Red Sox are developing right now um, through their, through drafting or even that they went out and traded that, Hey, look, not even the face of the franchise right now is safe. You know what I mean? Like right. anybody could go. So um, hopefully the Red Sox do right. And they bring those players back and, that infield will just be solidified. And then when Cassis comes up, it, it, it just feels like there's so many, so many positives for the Sox team. Absolutely. And, and you know what, I just thought about this too. And you mentioned the infield. I mean, Tristan Cassis, once he's ready to come up, he's taking Bobby Dahlbeck's spot. And then once, once that happens, you can use Bobby Dahlbeck for trade bait. Like you can use him to get either a reliever, maybe you can get another starter for him when the time comes. And you think about this too. If let's just say hypothetically Bogarts does leave and, and Trevor Story moves to shortstop, you still have Marcelo Meyer that's going to come up and be a short the future of that position in the next five years or so. And you have Nick York that's been tearing it up in the minor yep. leagues that can come up and play second base in a couple of years for you too. So, like you said, the future is very, very bright. And that's a credit to High and Bloom too, because obviously when Dave Dombrowski left, the farm system was an absolute mess. But thanks to High and Bloom, he's really done a great job of resetting that farm system to give you legitimate pieces, whether it's for your future or if you want to use them in trade packages, you have the the prospects now to be able to appeal to these teams in trade talks. So it's, a, it's I, a win all the way around. I think too, at this point, the way that this, the, the club is built. And if you look at there's there, they benefited from the fact that there was no 40 may, uh, there was no uh, rule five draft this year. Um, the Red Sox have a lot of players. They weren't able to protect in that 40 man that they could have potentially lost. Um, one of those, just an example, um, Gilberto Jimenez, who's the center fielder, outfielder for the Sox. Um, they're going to have a lot of decisions to make at the end of this season. And, uh, you know, again, to go and say, Hey, what are we going to do with these prospects? I feel that some of those players are going to end up being moved in a deal. Um, I tweeted a while back and I still stand and believe this. Um, I typically don't tweet certain things for a reason without having a reason behind it, but, um, don't be shocked if they trade Bobby Dahl back. I mean, right now, right now, yes, he serves a purpose with this team, but at some point, you know what I mean? You can't, you can't force what isn't there anymore, especially if you have Cassis, you, he's not going to play over Devers. He's not going to play. He's not playing short. He's not playing second. He's not a natural outfielder. Yeah. I can DH here or there. You know, I, I think that there's up until, recently I kind of felt like the Brewers would have been a perfect home for him mm-hmm. that he could go and hit in that lineup uh hidden um to me I would have loved to see in the Sox go and bring back a Josh Hader throw him in the bullpen um despite you know his off the field um you know issues that he had with tweets from yeah. a few years ago but you take that aside having him in the back end of the bullpen and him being protection in the event that Matt Barnes wasn't back to the Matt Barnes had, and he looked good today. Matt Barnes looked very good today in, in the loss to the Braves though. But um, I still think that's going to be the one area that this team, if they're going to make a deep run, they're going to need to go ahead and, and truly fortify that bullpen. 
Um, I know there's a lot of players in the, within the system they can bring up, but I think it's they're going to have to make a move. And I'm not saying hater to Bobby Dahlback's bringing you hater, but right. does a Dahlback in a prospect or two bring a hater over or somebody of that nature back to this team? I think you're in business if you get a guy like that. I, I think so. And you know what? That's not surprising because I kind of had the same thought. And I said it a couple of minutes ago, you know, Bobby Dolbeck could be a trade piece that you could dangle in front of a couple of teams, even like some seller dweller teams. Like I'm just thinking of a team just randomly like the Pittsburgh Pirates or something like that, just to get some prospects back. If you really think that like when Cassis is ready, he can come up and take the job. Or if you want to do something, I don't want to say ludicrous, but something that you might not think of right away. If you want to say, okay, maybe give Travis Shaw those at bats while we wait, while Red Sox nation waits for Cassis, there's a couple options there. You do not have to keep Bobby Dahlbeck. Bobby Dahlbeck had a great second half of the season in 2021, but I think personally, if you give me one full year, who do I think shows up the first half Bobby Dahlbeck and the second half Bobby Dahlbeck? I think the first half Bobby Dahlbeck shows up. I think you see that guy that strikes out more often than not, the guy that has trouble putting the ball in play consistently. And you know what? If you can sell him high and get some trade value for him, you might as well do it. But we digress because we can talk about everybody on this Red Sox team from top to bottom, from the stud player in the on the big club to the lowest prospect in rookie ball. But with Trevor story now, and, and I'm going to ask you this, Chris, and there are a few options that we just talked about. Where do you realistically see Trevor story hitting in this Red Sox lineup? You know, t- I'd love to see him in the two hole. Same. But I'm thinking maybe, maybe fifth or sixth. I think one of those two spots, you know, where you could, as you think about if you go Xander, Devers, JD, you could probably go story to protect JD. And now you're two through, you know, two through five is pretty legit. Um, So it's either fifth or sixth, to be honest with you. Cause then if you hit him fifth, then you could probably hit Verdugo sixth. Um, You could still keep, then you could probably go doll back and then, Vasquez um, and then you Vasquez and then whoever's uh, going to play. If it ends up being Jackie Bradley, um, so then be so be it. But I'd probably say fifth. I think that right now makes the most sense. But again, too, he'll be able to fill out, you know, if you give someone a day off, he could slide in the three hole. He could slide in the two hole. Um, I don't know if he leads off, but um, I think the, the major question, though, would be is who does lead off? You know, is it going to be Kike? Because I feel – there's going to be a major drop off because Kyle Schwarber did a really good job in that leadoff spot because he can get on base. He did. You know, we'll see what what Kike can kind of do, but I feel like this this lineup's got some length to it. Again, whereas like when they traded Hunter Renfro, you know, and I, and I know a lot of people were high on Renfro because he hit a ton of home runs, um, but you know, he it was a massive void that's there. Story comes in, fills that void, and provides and just gives that length back to that lineup again. So they're going to score a ton of runs. Uh, but back to your original question, I would go fifth. Okay. And I think the, the three, the three spots in the lineup that a lot of people are saying are second, fifth and sixth, right? Because if you have him hitting in the two hole and Kike hitting lead off, you have Kike, Trevor story, and any combination of uh, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, JD Martinez. And then you can go directly to Alex Verdugo, Christian Vasquez and Bobby Dahlbeck. And it's the same thing. If stories hitting fifth or sixth, you can throw Verdugo in that two hole and then you can go, Kike Verdugo, and if Kike's not doing the job, throw Verdugo in the leadoff hole. Why not? 
you can go those guys one or two, and then you go Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, Story, and then you still have Dahlbeck and Vasquez, seven and eight. And don't forget, Christian Vasquez is one of the, I would say, better offensive catchers in the league. He has some pop. He has some pop. He doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but when he hits them, they're number one, moonshots, and number two, they're in clutch situations. Yeah, I, I definitely with, with, with Vasquez, though, over the last two seasons, um, I think he's caught more innings in his over in the in the last two seasons than he has in his entire career. Like um, in regards to the amount of innings caught per season, so I think that if there's a way to kind of protect him and keep him a little bit fresher this season, it would be more beneficial for the long term because it felt like there's been a handful of times where it just seemed like he slowed down quite a bit last year. So if you know, you know, throw Plucky uh, in there here or there to uh to try to keep uh Vasquez as fresh as possible because yeah to your point his bat can be a special bat in the lineup you know having someone like that with a little bit of pop um you know in that seven through nine spot I mean we've seen what he did and again in that series against the Rays and that and that massive home run um it just I think that you know to your point he could be like a secret little weapon to the bottom of that lineup and this is a big year too for him he's a free agent at the end of the season they could pick up. I think he's at the option, doesn't he? I'm pretty sure he does. So, and, and I don't think they have anything within the system right now where they have someone ready to go. So this is a big, you know, make or break for for Vasquez on whether or not, you know, Haim is either going to pick up that extension or they're going to look and, uh, you know, fill his his position with someone else in the future. And the thing about Vasquez too, and he's made this clear, he wants to retire in Boston. He says he's comfortable here. He likes the organization from top to bottom. So he's a guy that wants to stick around for the long term. I'm trying to look up his contract really quick because I'm pretty sure the option is there. So, oh, no, he doesn't even have an option. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. So this is last year. So if you're the Red Sox. Yeah, so. Yeah. Got to try to sign a break for him. Yep, and especially, too, he's going to be – 32 next season. So he's going to get, if he's going to get one more contract, it's going to be one more three or four year contract. That's it. Cause after that, he's going to be 36 in the back half of his 30s. He's probably going to retire after that last contract, but we'll see if it's in a Red Sox uniform. We'll see if it's elsewhere, but any final thoughts, Chris, on the Trevor story addition to this Red Sox team? No, I, I think that, uh, I think that we as Red Sox fans, we need to be, be excited. This is, this is a big move for this team. Um, I think that this begins to start to hopefully change that narrative about calling it Tampa North or the Boston, you know, Rays or whatever, you know, whatever that little uh, moniker they've had on there, (laughs) this team is willing to spend the money, but it's spending it in the right way. I just, you know, for so many years for like the last 20 plus years, we've been so accustomed to how Theo spent. I can't really say Ben Charrington because he made those that weird Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez signing in the same, and it didn't really make sense. But um, but we got to see what Dombrowski did. Haim is a, just a completely different cat. Like he just he goes kind of at the beat of his own drum. He lurks in the shadows, and he's just not going to make a move for the sake of making a move. And I think he proved with the Trevor Story signing that he's going to do what's in the best interest of the Boston Red Sox. And I'm hoping that that kind of starts to turn that narrative around. So 
I'm looking forward to opening day. I'm looking forward. I would love to see nothing more in his first at bat, him crush a homer in Yankee Stadium, you know, into the left field seats. Um, that would be that would just be little chef's kiss type of thing. That'd be beautiful. So I, I, I'm I'm excited for it. Looking forward to uh, trying to go to opening day. I'm hoping to get the time off. That and go to opening be- day at Fenway Park. I would love to do that. So that'd be um, sick. that's kind of a mirror. It's what April seventh is opening day or April sixth. Seventh is a, yeah, and then uh, April seventh, but April fifteenth, opening day uh, at Fenway Park against the Twins. Ooh, Carlos Correa rolls into town. I was literally about to say Correa makes his uh, reappearance at Fenway Park after breaking the hearts of Red Sox fans last season. But I mean, to kind of wrap everything up, I mean, Trevor Story, great signing. Hopefully, like Chris says, it changes the narrative that. And I've even called them, you know the Boston Rays or the Tampa Bay Red Sox. I've done it a couple of times. I'm sure we've done it in frustration, but hopefully this is a sign of things to come. And hopefully I am bloom realizes that if a move can be made to better this Red Sox team for the short and long term, he does it just like he did with Trevor story. So that's really it, Chris. I think that's it. Nice little quick episode, the Trevor story episode. Yep. Episode 62, officially the Trevor story in Beantown episode. Again, check out everything couchcastsports.com remember to rate and subscribe to the into the triangle podcast on all your podcast platforms make sure to check out shockedenergy.com also check out exogun.com a 10 off for massage therapy guns at exogun.com with the promo code cgs10 cgs10 make sure to check that out for chris henrique i'm alan lahegan thank you for listening thank you for making sure that you listen every week and be on the lookout for an episode next week after that we'll get into the bi-weekly during the season episodes, but Trevor Story came to Boston. We had to get an episode out, so we did. Till then, go Red Sox, and let's get the Yankees on opening day. Thanks.